the music that I've, I think, heard most deeply and has most enriched me is music that I have listened to with another person, with other people. What's really fun is sitting in a room intentionally with a group of people and saying, let's have a listening party and just sit here and listen to an entire record from start to finish. It's a really rich way to spend an evening. Something that's always helped me is to treat the album like you would a movie. I truly believe that music is our most powerful form of expression, and each culture's and person's music is an inimitable shard of the image of God. For the first time in my life, I realized I had been hearing everything as a wall of sound. My advice if you want to be a better listener is just pay deliberate attention. I'm Drew Miller, and you're listening to The Second Muse. This is the last episode of season two, and I wanted to do something a little bit fun and different with it. Um, Towards the end of 2019, the staff at the Rabbit Room was having one of our usual lunches out at Las Palmas, which is uh, Nashville's uh, Mexican restaurant that has a lot of locations around the city. And we were um, discussing something that just came up at the table talking about how we grew up listening to music and how that was different among all of us because we had a couple of different generations represented. And, um, of course, we all have our own unique stories with um, our relationship to music, both in childhood and as we've grown older. And so that conversation grew into this blog series called The Lost Art of Listening, It was a seven-part blog series that we just finished up a few weeks ago involving each of the people who was present at that discussion. And we have all kinds of opinions and perspectives and insights represented by those blog posts. And uh, I could think of no better way to finish this season of conversations with artists and producers than to talk about the other side of music, which is not making it, but listening to it. How do we listen to music, um, especially in an age of streaming and extreme accessibility and ubiquity? And so um, what I did was I sent three questions to each of the people who contributed to this blog series. And... um, Everybody sent me back audio of their responses, and I have edited together our answers in as thematically unified a way as possible. And those three questions are as follows. How did you grow up listening to music, and how has that changed over the course of your life? What advice do you have for becoming a better listener? And who are some of your favorite artists right now? So, without further ado, uh, I present to you the answers from the Rabbit Room staff. Um, And I should also say their names here, too. Um, So you'll hear from Andrew Peterson, Pete Peterson, Jennifer Trafton, Leslie Thompson, Chris Thiessen, and Shijay Clark. So we'll begin with that first question. How did you listen to music growing up, and how has that changed over the course of your life? By the time I was in high school and and music was really important to me, it was listening to CDs and tapes. Um, And because we didn't have a lot of money, 
it was the kind of thing where the, the, the few that I had were really, really precious to me. And so I would listen again and again and again. And that's how I learned to play guitar. This was before YouTube. So um, I would sit and rewind and play, rewind and play the same section of a song and listen to each note of the chord because I didn't have a chord book that I could, you know, I, there was no internet yet, you know? So, uh, so the tapes and the CDs ended up being like this, like lifeline. So I would listen to them again and again and again. Uh, when I was a teenager and, and into my twenties, I would, um, I would listen with the, the liner notes, the lyrics in front of me. I would listen with, with my journal in front of me. Um, I was afraid of these songs being lost forever, and so I would record them in my journal. I would, I would sing them um, to myself in my room until I'd memorized them. I, I needed to, to hold on to these songs that, that expressed my heart so beautifully, and I needed to, to, um, to somehow save them. Uh, from ever being lost to time. And so I sat with them and I listened and I, I, I lived those songs. I was born into the CD era right at the tail end, right before we moved into the MP3 era. Uh, I feel like I kind of zoomed past the MP3 era and jumped straight into streaming before Spotify was a big thing. I actually uh, used Rhapsody, which was kind of a precursor to Spotify. So I've been exposed to that large library of music for most of my life. The practical ways in which I've listened to music, I mean, of course, started with CDs and cassettes. Well, I guess started with cassettes, moved to CDs. Um, Then I had an iPod that was the love of my life for a long time. And, you know, in recent years, I've moved to Spotify as a premium user. Um, Practically, of course, those things change. Every so often, I'll actually throw in a mix CD that I might have made uh, in high school into my car as I'm driving. I didn't grow up in a music-centric household, so I didn't have the benefit many of my current fellows had with being guided toward quality music. Um, My family was chiefly concerned with making sure that music was quote-unquote safe, meaning mostly that it wasn't rock or rap and had no cuss words. So most of my childhood listening was upbeat Christian-y stuff, much of which I still enjoy to this day, but no one was guiding me to consider the lyricism or craftsmanship of the works I was listening to, much less to expand beyond that. But as I started to really pay attention to the album as an art form, I was able to more thoroughly grasp oh, like, this is an artist that thought through this thing as an entire craft. And so that sent me down an entire um, journey that I'm still on of really loving the album. I I really latched on early on to the idea of the concept album. Uh, Things like The Who's Tommy or Pink Floyd's The Wall. uh, Albums that tell a whole story from beginning to end with a clear narrative. I can't put my finger on exactly why it was so different for me, but the first time I heard a musical, which I recall being The Phantom of the Opera, the wonder of it legitimately floored me. I couldn't believe that something like that existed. It was so grand and moving, and the music carried and enforced the story in a way that I think is truly singular to musical theater. And that passion was cemented when my parents brought me the 10th anniversary concert recording of Les Miserables on VHS. 
when the first two notes of that brass section came in, I was gone and I never came back. I can still feel how my eyes were just locked wide and stayed that way the entire time. But the music alone was epic and jaw-dropping and to this day, one of the best stories I've ever been told. To have something that I'm familiar with, that I know intimately, that I know every part of its makeup allows me to feel at home and to feel comforted so sometimes there's that sometimes I will be in a time when I need to hear a specific message or I need to hear a new perspective on something and I will actively go seeking out artists that I trust or people that I trust I'm grateful that we have resources like a Spotify or YouTube even to go find songs we can new songs new music that we can fill our musical vocabulary with in the last decade or so life has just changed so much i don't commute to work anymore you know work is five minutes away i don't spend a lot of time in the car i don't spend a lot of time in the quiet where i can actually just listen and so my listening has become much more erratic um which doesn't mean that i don't love it anymore but i really do miss the long stretches in which just to sink into a record and and fall in love with it from beginning to end and it also it makes me super grateful for the moments in which that does happen because it does happen it's more rare but when it happens it's just uh it's just that much more wonderful i used to spend so much more time um, just really sitting quietly listening to music and doing nothing else and um, i'm frustrated like pete and the, the the fact that my life doesn't my life and also my attention span don't allow for that sort of deep listening to happen as much anymore. One of the things that I, I have noticed is that um, at this stage in my music career, I don't often drive around in a van with a bunch of guys or, uh, or a band because um, we used to spend days and days and days on the road driving across America and this is you know before podcasts or iPods and so we just had our music to listen to I listened to so much music with my friends in that way and it was really fun to like share an album with someone and now that I don't drive uh, across the country for shows that often um, and I don't commute uh, like regularly um, I've stopped listening to music um, there, I just don't listen to it a lot so I have to actually go out of my way to find it and sit and listen intentionally and, uh, and that has also been a very rich thing and now for our second question what is your advice for becoming a better listener when I look back at my life I find that the music that I've I think heard most deeply and has most enriched me is music that I have listened to with another person, with other people. Um, so for example, my both of my brothers were m musicians and singers and my family loved music and so there are so many memories that I have attached to moments where we were listening to an album or a piece of music together and that experience of shared listening uh, built our relationship in special ways. We all of us have music that we put on in the background, but unless we're also putting on stuff that's in the foreground, something that we're intentionally listening to and sucking the marrow out of, I think we're just being passive listeners and we're not taking full advantage 
of, you know, the rich art form that music makes available to us. Just like a great book, you know, a great book is a rereadable book. Uh, and great music ought to be infinitely re-listenable, I think. So my, my advice, if you want to be a better listener, is just pay deliberate attention. One of the first times that I had a very specific listening experience was one of my first days in music school. Uh, I was 18, and I had just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, this kind of center of music, music city, as it were. And I'm sitting in my music history class. One of the first days, we actually talked about critical listening and being aware of what is in the sound that is coming through our ears. And so our teacher put on a symphony and pointed out, okay, listen for the flutes. Listen for the oboes that are coming in here. Okay, the brass is going to start to come in right here. And for the first time in my life, I realized I had been hearing everything as a wall of sound instead of hearing these nuances and these these um, these specific sounds that that are making their own sort of timbre. Literally close your eyes and listen. Look up lyrics. Listen for themes, refrains, and reprises in both the words and the music itself. So much more work goes into most of the music that we listen to than we could imagine. And like those moments in musicals when they sing over each other. We simply can't catch them by listening to it just once. When I was first dating Pete, um, he sat down and made me listen to one of his favorite songs by The National um, because he, he wanted to be able to share this beautiful lyric with me. And um, I still, that, that memory is cemented in my brain as a, a significant moment in our relationship when we got to share that a piece of music together in a really deep way. So my advice for being a better listener is to try uh, to discipline yourself to not listen to everything, but to zero in on one thing uh, for a season. It's kind of of like, rather than just opening the Bible and flipping it up and open and reading random verses, um, pick a book, like a short one like James, and read it once a week for four weeks. of course, any any exposure to scripture is going to be good for you, um, in theory. But uh, there are different ways to do it. So that's how I am with music. I I, I do like um, discovering new things usually, and my kids are often helping me to discover new music and shaping my tastes. But um, I also love picking one record and just looping it and really getting to know it and letting it uh, soak in. So what I would suggest you do is pick one album and go on a walk or a jog. Um, Or what's really fun is sitting in a room intentionally with a group of people and saying, let's have a listening party and just sit here and listen to an entire record from start to finish. It's a really rich way to spend an evening. Something that's always helped me is to treat the album like you would a movie. I think a lot of times we listen to music and have it in the background. Uh, it's something we put on when we have company over or when we're going to a party or just driving in the car, but it's not something that we um, invest in and pay attention to with the same attention that we give a film. If being a better listener of music is what you're interested in, I would go to someone that you trust, that you trust their judgment, that you trust their character, and that you appreciate their love of music, and maybe ask them to 
point things out to you about specific music that they love so that you can then listen with a little bit of a roadmap. And when you hear those things, then you can apply that to other music and be listening for those things. And, and all of these things, and you start to realize, man, this thing that's been put in front of me, someone sat in a studio and came up with this from nothing. Um, and when you start to come at it from that perspective, you realize there are so many nuanced, subtle things that you might not realize on a first pass of music. And unless someone is pointing that out to you and showing you that, it's very hard to see it yourself. So my biggest advice for being a better listener is to find other better listeners and ask them what you should be looking for so that you can apply that to everything you're listening to when you're actively wanting to glean things from it. I mentioned before that I grew up in a family that didn't allow rock, rap, or cussing in music. And because of that upbringing, my response when Hamilton came out was that a rap and hip-hop musical about the American Revolution sounded awful. Uh, if it hadn't been for YouTube recommending me the video where Lin-Manuel Miranda raps the intro song at the White House, I would never have found one of the most moving works I've ever encountered. Hamilton really blew the door wide open for me because it not only showed me that I could deeply love something that I never thought I'd enjoy, but it opened my mind to other forms of art and cultural perspectives that I had been previously closed off to. What else am I missing or could I miss because I'm not willing to listen? And that's forever changed the way that I seek out and interact with music. I, I truly believe that that music is our most powerful form of expression and each culture's and person's music is an inimitable shard of the image of God. Really digging into an artist and like listen through all of their albums. Listen, go and listen to every Beatles uh, album uh, because one, because they were so influential to so many artists over the last 50 years. Um, but two, like you can see a artist's work from beginning to end and see how it relates and how it changed and how you get a whole story of a person experiencing and exploring life through their art form. And so I really cherish those times when, um, and I have a lot of them these days because I live in a community that is so infused with music, those times when I get to listen with other people, with someone else, and that shared experience of a song is something that gets interwoven into our, our relationship, our friendship, our love. And I think that that enriches um, the music itself as well as my relationship. And now our third and final question. Who are some artists that you are listening to right now? In the last few years, I've fallen head over shoulders in love with Brandi Carlisle and everything she's ever done. Uh, I love to death The National. The new record is called I Am Easy to Find, and it's just this brilliant thing that so wonderfully puts together these male and female voices into this like cohesion of songs that ultimately seems to be about the complexity, the infinite complexity of marriage and relationship. Uh, and it's just beautiful and, and, and inexhaustible for me. I listen to it over and over and over again. The Counting Crows will probably always be my favorite band. Like, for whatever reason, uh, 
Adam Duritz as a songwriter and a singer just has this ability to write songs that drill right into the middle of me and make me feel this like deeply uh, authentic ache for the way that we are broken and the way that we hope one day to be otherwise. One artist that I've come to know in the last several months is an artist named Hobo Jim. Jim Varsos is his name. He lives in Fairview, Tennessee, which is just southwest of Nashville. But he is a legend in Alaska and across the world uh, as a songwriter who sings about the Alaskan spirit and about the Alaskan culture. He lived in Alaska for a long time, uh, but apparently his wife doesn't like the cold, so they moved down here to Nashville. And if you've spent any amount of time with me, you'll soon come to find out that I am a passionate uh, follower of dog sled racing. And when I knew I was going up to the Iditarod in March, I knew Hobo Jim was going to be playing in a few places, and I wanted to catch some sets of his, but I wanted to be familiar with his music. So I started listening to it on Spotify, and I just have not stopped. Uh, He's got this sort of like, sometimes you feel like you're in a pub, and you're just kind of, you have a pint in your hand, and you're swinging it and laughing and dancing with everybody. And sometimes you just, you feel like you're riding down the road, and you see mountains off in the distance, and and they're snow-capped, and you're just listening to Hobo Jim sing about the Alaskan experience. The album that has made me the happiest lately is by this guy named Tyson Motzenbacher, and uh, it's his newest record, and man, I've just listened to it so much, enough to where I think I'm going to always associate it with spring and summer, early summer. Um, I'm also really loving, no joke, um, Sky Peterson and her new record and the Namo record, like... It sounds like I'm just being the dad who's bragging about his kids, but I really genuinely love this music and it's genuinely been uh, a ministry to me. Um, And so I love those records. One of the things that I've been listening to a lot is uh, Chris Thiele's Bach CD. So Chris Thiele, if you don't know, is a mandolin player, possibly the greatest there ever was. Um, Certainly the best living one, I would say. And um, he uh, is so prolific, just tons and tons of output. But but he's got a record of um, Bach pieces. One thing about Bach is that a lot of those pieces, they kind of sound the same. You know, you put them on and there's just lots of notes. And uh, there's this kind of, it can feel monotonous. So I have decided that I'm going to listen to that record enough that the songs begin to diverge so I can really begin to notice the flow and the rhythm of the, of the song. So that's been the thing that I play in the background in my office, uh, you know, six times in a row while I'm working on something else. I see hip hop as the main and most predominant voice in music right now in our culture. Um, you can hear a lot of the themes of, uh, what we're talking about and what we feel as a culture through hip hop um, and through the ways that it's changed over the years. And that's one of the things I'm most interested in um, when I listen to music, uh, not only what, how it speaks to me and what it means for me as a person, but what it means for us as a culture, where we are as humans in uh, 2020 um, uh, people longing for redemption and l- longing for Christ, uh, even from non-Christian artists. I, that's what I'm interested in listening for. I feel like it's an it's an embarrassment of riches for me right now. It's hard for me to pick a favorite because I am so surrounded by wonderful musicians and singer songwriters and 
um, uh, getting to hear live music all the time and constantly discovering new singers and new songs. I've, I've loved the playlists that, that Chris has been putting together for the Robert Room. It's been a wonderful source of discovery for me. I have been listening to a whole lot of Sarah Groves and uh, Brandy Carlisle lately. But also, I keep on ending up back at the on the 80s stations on Spotify because I think that with all the turmoil in the world right now, there's something very comforting to me about soaking in the music that um, that permeated my childhood. Uh, oddly enough, when the world is being turned upside down, there's something very grounding about Cindy Lauper. Who would have thought? For the last five years, uh, Kendrick Lamar has been my big hero. He... Uh, champions the concept album like i mentioned i love um his first breakthrough record good kid mad city kind of tells the story of his um salvation and reconciliation and sanctification i cannot get enough of propaganda right now uh his record crooked just lit me up in all the best ways um it's so good it though it's so wonderfully wordy and smart and intelligent and witty and incisive and convicting. It's just like, I feel like that record is such a great snapshot of the world right now and a lot of the things we're going through articulated in such a beautiful Christian way that, uh, man, I can't recommend it highly enough um, and I can't listen to it enough. I wait with eager anticipation to see what he's going to do next. Propaganda. With how deeply and dearly I love poetry, I cannot believe it took me so long to appreciate rap. And man, is Propaganda a true and impressive poet. His way with words and rhyme are astounding, and I am so grateful for how he's expanded my perspective. Uh, He's one of those artists I wouldn't have opened my mind to if not for Hamilton, and thank God. (laughs) Better late than never, I guess, and I'm just really looking forward to continuing um, over the years to to get to know his work better and and the work of other people I've been introduced to. And then beyond that, uh, Jason Isbell is a singer-songwriter that has been just blowing my mind. Uh, I jumped on the train way late, but um, his new album, Reunions, came out in uh, a couple months ago, or maybe last month. Um, and he just is so good about writing vulnerably about himself and his own struggles um but always bringing it to a place of hope and determination to um continue to grow as a person and be okay with his faults and learn from them instead of try to hide them i recently discovered jason isbell courtesy of chris Deason, who is a constant source of great new music in my life Um, Isabel calls me back to the depth and craftsmanship of classic country, and I uh, hope that he is a uh, harbinger of better things to come. But if not, I really appreciate what he is currently bringing. Um, And he won't want me to say this, but Drew Miller. I've been so appreciative of his dual album, Desolation and Consolation, since it came out, and especially right now when I feel like I'm dwelling in the first and so in need of the second. Um, I'm holding on to the fact that while there may be a grief older than I am, there's a grace older than I am, too. Oh, Shajay, you shouldn't have. Well, that is it for the second season of The Second Muse. Thank you for listening. 
I'm also very grateful to all the artists and producers who generously joined me for these interviews. They were such a delight. Thank you, Caleb Coleman and Asher Peterson, for your excellent engineering work. Thank you, Lipscomb University, for letting us use your studio time and time again. Thank you, Rabbit Room and staff whose voices you heard in this episode. And one more thing. Chris Thiessen has put together a playlist on the Rabbit Room's Spotify and Apple Music channels containing all of the songs that have been featured in this season of The Second Muse. So if you'd like to listen to all of those in a row and discover some new voices and artists and albums, go for it. Those are some seriously great songs. Thanks again for joining me. Peace be with you.